Noble. Yes, sir. Break, draft, trade. This show is for the listener that is a little better than average, but lack of trading is holding them back. We're here to give you actionable ways to make that trade happen. Is basically para-quoting. Circle. Because he put these requests in as far as for us to talk about. Okay. So basically this whole show is by listener request. Okay. Awesome. Hey. Cool. By request. It's one of our league mates. They see us trading all the time. They want to know. Mm-hmm. Cool. Okay. Ready? Sure. Three, two, one, action. All right. Of making trades. No, making trade. Making, of making trade? Making trades. Of making. Of making trade. Trades. As you want. Thank you for stopping now. You want me to say that? Yep, say that. (laughs) (laughs) The birds and the bees of making trades. Okay, 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 because of making, of making love. I got you. I got you, boo. Wait, wait, you are recording, right? Yes, I am recording. Don't you worry. Okay, I want to make sure, because this break, draft, trade. You collected my draft. So that, yeah, Lax is name Dick Nasty. <laughs> yeah. What? Like a, like a smiley or a blushing smiley face, so I'm like, all right, I just got... A blushing smiley? You should have just sent him the blushing smiley emoji. <laughs> it would have been fine. Yeah, that's definitely inappropriate. I mean, if you want to be completely appropriate, just don't say anything. Yeah, that's yeah. 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 Oh, my lips are sealed. Um, I can't really say much, being as I was in a league named butt stuff for a while. <laughs> Didn't you win butt stuff? Yeah. <laughs> you were the best at butt stuff. <laughs> I won butt stuff, you guys. I won that league. <laughs> I was the best butt stuffer. <laughs> yeah. How am I not the last one to know this? Like, I just completed a 16-team Superflex draft, and there are several trades in there where it's just people don't understand the difference in value of QBs in 16 Superflex and the difference in values of a second round and a third round pick when you're talking pick 33 through 48 for a third. It's like, which, like this year, that's like Romeo Dubs, Justin Ross. Yeah. So that and that would be best case scenario would be realistic twelve team end of the third round and like so to trade anything for a waiver wire pickup at best absolutely worthless yeah but I was like see I'm this is why this show I need to pay attention and listen while we're talking about it because I am terrible at trades I just can't wrap my head around values I I have a really hard time storing everything and making sense of different. Like, okay, this league has 10 people. This league has 12 people. This league has 14 people. This league is a super flex. This isn't a super flex. Like, it's too much. So I just go to Nick and I'm like, what do you think, Nick? <laughs> Whoa. He's no longer a Packers fan. Really? Henry is, though, so. I'm a Rousey fan. Don't get it twisted. Henry, no, no. I got you to admit on a podcast that you're well, a Packers okay. fan. Well, okay. I like had to root for a team on the for like the best quarterback of all time. It's okay, Henry. He's the best quarterback of all time. Mm. Uh, I don't think it's really close. Of all time. See you guys next year. Pickens, Pickens. It's amazing. You guys are always drafting. Every time we come in here, you guys are involved in a draft. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah, maybe we can bring that up on the pod. Yeah, so Nina Jobel wants us to talk about... (laughs) 
Gaskin and Amon Ross St. Brown. Yep. So guys, where am I buying them at? <laughs> From you, apparently. <laughs> yes! Welcome back to the Rank Draft Trade Podcast. Today, we have a very, very important talk ahead of us. We are going to have that talk. Today, we will be discussing the birds and the bees of making trades. So we've got you. We've got three of the best in the business to help you answer all of your trading questions and needs. And hopefully this show today is going to give you the confidence to get out there and be able to make those trades that are holding you back. Speaking of the best in the business, we have our three fantasy brains who I'm probably a little partial to, but I think that they're all amazing. We've got the king of Keontae, and we're not talking Ingram, Mike Papa Bearclaw. Hello, Ingram died so we can stop about him. <laughs> yep. Once again, we need a new Papa mantra. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to our Superman, Clark Kent of the fantasy world, Henry St. Clair. Tell the listeners hello. Why, hello there. Yes, he has entered the room. <laughs> He's got his Clark Kent glasses on, and he is ready to be the superhero of the fantasy trading podcast. <laughs> Isn't it when the glasses come off that he becomes Superman? Like, I just did the reverse. Yeah, you kind of <laughs> turned from Superman into Clark Kent, so we might need the glasses to come off to go back into Superman. <laughs> And of course, last but certainly not least, the man I like to refer to as my fantasy husband because he helps me every step of the way. He is the most amazing trading connoisseur of the fantasy world, Mr. Nick James. Thank you. Thank you. Tell the fans hello. Hello, fans. <laughs> fans only. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Fans only, friends only, whatever. That's That might be a thing. No free pub. Yep. Not to be confused with only friends. <laughs> only friends, which is a real thing. So we, you know, don't want to give them too many plugs. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Not nope. a sponsor. Not a sponsor. <laughs> Never actually been to the website. Nope. Them or Stella. No idea what it is. You have no idea. <laughs> None. I don't know if that's a hookup website or what. <laughs> Whatever it is, it's probably not fantasy football. Speaking of hookups, we're going to give you the hookup. <laughs> we're giving you the fantasy football hookup today. So let's move into our trade talk. Let's make trades. All right, Iowa. All right. This is per listener request reaching out. This is actually one of our league mates in a bunch of our leagues here. Just wanting to know, how do you do it? How do you trade so much? Well, we're here to give you actionable ways to make trades happen. This is the talk, the birds and the bees of making trades. We're going to touch on a lot of the, the key points that factor into how and when and why you might make trades. Mike here is one of the most trade active people in leagues that we share. Mike, if you want to start it off with at least like one principle, one thing you use as a crutch to construct a trade, what would it be? The biggest thing I look at when I'm making any kind of trade is like a, the trends of value. Like you don't need to have a specific specific calculator or a specific number on a player to kind of see what direction they're going in. You know, like obviously Tom Brady's not going up. Some of the some of the younger running backs could be going up. Some of the young wide receivers could be going up. Keenan Allen not going up. Those are things I look at. Always trying to buy players when they're below their peak value 
and are on an upward trend so that they can go ahead and acquire that value. And I'm trying to move players that are either at peak value or on a downward trend or they're overvalued. Mike, where where are you mainly getting your values when you talk about values of a player? Where are you getting your values from? We got our values all off of the rank draft trade sheet that Nick's been working on for many years now. We have all of our individual values on each player. We run by that. Obviously, that's not something everybody has access to. You could definitely look at other calculators and you could also just look at like, you know, mock draft results and kind of see what ranges players are in. It's pretty easy to, you know, kind of put an idea of what a player's worth. Oh, they're taking eighth round in startups right now. Okay, that's about where they're worth versus, you know, top five pick. That's something you could look at if you don't have access to something like that. And, you know, there are, there are many websites and stuff you can use to kind of get a general idea of where the community has their players. But it's really important to kind of put your own value on those players as well. Do you have a value calculator that you do like more than others? And do you have one that you just will absolutely be like, no way? Honestly, I mean, everybody, hate, everyone hates to say they use it. I mean, I don't personally, like, I don't use it as like a calculator but i do like to see where the public is at on players so i'll look at the values on like keep trade cut um that that's literally just people going on the website and they kind of rank players in a group of three and that's a really good idea to see where the general public has players so if you have a player that you're really high on that you know you want to take at a certain spot and you realize hey the public's really low on this player that's that's definitely a trade target for you henry yeah uh for me typically it's like going on twitter and just kind of seeing uh people talk about stuff and you'll see people ask trade questions and you'll read like the 100 comments on it or something and you're like whoa i definitely disagree with that or like that's astounding that someone could get that for that player and you're like yeah maybe i should go test the waters on this guy obviously i'm very partial to uh the trade sheet that we have made ourselves mm, i thought you're gonna say jets <laughs> oh yes yes and the packers. i thought he was gonna say packers <laughs> i was like oh here we go <laughs> I like the concept that you're describing there is to look at how other entities value players, you know, side by side, like keep trade cut. I would never, ever construct a trade using that. But what is reflected in keep trade cut is the name in the headline, because when suddenly somebody gets traded, even if it's like Brian Edwards gets traded to the Falcons, when people are on keep trade cut and they don't know a whole lot about fantasy football or football in general. It's the name they saw last in the headline. Two names I don't really like, and okay, he got traded. Him. So... I think keep trade cut measures the average to below average fantasy players name recognition more than anything. But knowing your league mates, knowing their involvement level, keep trade cut can be a valuable tool because while, you know, you know, this player only has so much value, they might think that they have more because they're rising on keep trade cut or even vice versa has a lot more dynasty value than redraft value and keep trade cut drives them down just because the near outlook isn't as good as the long-term outlook it might be that's a player you can target at a value so using these other services and knowing how they value players can definitely benefit you when constructing countering accepting declining trades actually going back to what henry said with twitter i actually i saw a running back rankings list on twitter and it was on reddit but it was like a, a post from twitter mm -hmm. you know it had, a, it had a lot of like upvotes and a lot of views and everything 
Austin Eckler was running back five in Dynasty. I've seen him as high as three for some people. I've yeah. seen him. I've seen him there too, and that's just like. And I've been seeing that all offseason, going from last season, and that, that's just the player that screams as seldom. I mean, I've moved a lot of Eckler. I was very high on Eckler last offseason because he was undervalued. I, I saw he could score. I thought he could score a lot of points. He was on a good offense. He was a pass catching back, and now now he's 27, falling a season with a complete outlier number of touchdowns and carries and ranked running back five so you're selling Eckler oh 100 I've already sold a lot of Eckler especially based on Twitter rankings which if you study Twitter which I haven't been on Twitter for a long period of time but a lot of the reason why I'm on it is purely for observation and to push things like these a lot of the things that gather engagement have mostly consistent rankings with a couple things that are just way out of place because if it looks good and you scroll by it you're probably not clicking on it but when there's something that just doesn't belong there you feel obligated to say something something about it. Well, that drives engagement. So a lot of the motives behind what you post on like Twitter and in a means and a goal to gather engagement isn't for accuracy. And I think that's part of what sets us apart from others is our goal is to win. None of us are like incredibly active on social media. A lot of our motives and our opinions are not based on I have to support a narrative that I started tweeting about years ago or I have to support this brand that I have created by touting said player. A lot of ours is just purely in an effort to win. So using Twitter as a means that, okay, everybody is talking about this person on Twitter today. It might be a good time to put them on the trade block because you never know a name and a headline works the same way as the name being discussed on Twitter today. So speaking of when, because that's what we all are here to do. Nobody wants to walk away the loser. Building a win now versus rebuilding. Speaking of players like Eckler, Brady, Mike mentioned Brady. Are you ever buying those players in a dynasty league or do you just do you stay away from them altogether because you're always in a sense rebuilding or do you ever go out and buy those players because you're like you know what I'm in win now and I need those pieces time of year is imperative like right now there are various players that are going to be of interest and players that aren't being talked about on social media that aren't of interest middle of the season there's going to be teams that are clearly win now clearly rebuild there's going to be people that are way more interested in picks and way more interested in win now players like right now it's like training camp buzz is moving values so a name hits the headlines you know it might be someone who you uh, might be able to buy or might be able to get out from under so it just it depends on the time of year with each player it's a little bit different with their values it's a little bit different it's why a lot of people say i don't sell picks until i'm on the clock well there's also other times a year where your picks have elevated or reached their max value that they might reach again later but time of year is a key factor in determining the interest in potentially making a trade for various players or for various picks years picks current picks time of year plays a part this is the time of year to buy some of those players i mean they're not really players i buy too often i'm not usually going for any of like the aged assets i don't really go full win now i try to just keep extending a window and building value which in turn ends up being win now because you end up with lots of young running backs 
lots of young quarterbacks, and you generally don't age out because you're not really going after the older players. But right now, in this at, at this time of year, is where teams are kind of looking at their teams. Maybe they're getting a little nervous. Maybe they want picks, and maybe they don't want to miss out on, on moving a player like Ezekiel Elliott, Tom Brady. Not so much Hopkins, not really interested in him right now, but maybe like Michael Thomas, maybe Robert Woods. It's going to be really undervalued to some people. Not players I'm heavily targeting, but when you can get them for like a really, really low value, like when you're sending like a third round pick for Robert Woods, probably going to be a late second for Tom Brady. That That's a good deal. That's something I'm going to do. Ezekiel Elliott, one of the most, he's valued under Pollard for some reason right now. I don't think Pollard is the running back at all that Ezekiel Elliott is. I don't think Zeke has long is going to be like a like a long-term thing at this point obviously you know maybe we have a season or two left but there's no reason he should be valued less than his backup right now that that screams by to me okay all right so you're buying zeke you're selling eckler <laughs> i'm buying i'll buy anything at value it has to it, it would have to make sense makes sense yeah henry how about you are you buying those guys for win now or what's your strategy for win now versus rebuild uh right now it seems to be the time where everyone that comes to my team and perhaps it's only because i have young assets but they're all trying to trade me their old washed garbage for my hot young stud <laughs> and i'm like you know mm -hmm. i do not want your keenan allen and deandre hopkins for my michael pippen like maybe those two combined gets close but you know i don't want them one for one or something like it's not even really close for me what if they're five nine? Oh man that <laughs> Make Keenan Allen 5'9". It's hard to resist. Yeah, think about it, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, that's a different story. <laughs> but yeah, Zeke was the name that jumped out of me when you guys were talking about how some vets like Eckler and uh, Dalvin Cook even are still very high in people's ratings. And Zeke is younger than Eckler. Zeke is like a month older than Cook. You know, it's always about buying in those windows, selling in those windows. Like Najee's a super interesting player right now because there was like the added weight, which was nothing. A little overweight, little body shaming going on. Yeah. And then there was the uh, the quote from Mike Tomlin where he's only going to be used on specific downs and there's going to be roles where he's taken off the field. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, if there's a play where the running back is in simply to block on a play, I don't really care if Najee's on the field. Like, if he's on the field for plays where they're giving the running back the ball, that's all that I care about. And so perhaps people overreact to that, bump him down on the ratings, or perhaps people aren't reacting to it at all. And then it's a good time to try to sell him at current value or at previous value. I think something that kind of encompasses what both you and Mike said the time of year right now like if you look across your league and you send offers and they sit for five days before the manager sees the offer you made this is likely a person that has a lot of redraft leagues and not a lot of dynasty leagues because they're not paying super close attention in the off season. so this time of year the non-redraft people are the most active because they all care right now all these camps and uh, rookies and I just did my rookie draft so a lot of the dynasty focused people are the ones the most in tune with what's going on right now it's the people that have a lottery draft leagues and then I have a couple dynasty leagues that are going to be more persuaded by merely the headlines or the name value of a player so taking advantage of one the non-redraft 
draft folk that just want the younger guys trying to move the older guys can potentially get the older guys at a deal. It happens every year. Like last year, it was incredibly hard in the offseason to sell Hopkins or Derrick Henry. But as soon as you get into redraft season, all of a sudden, Henry is of interest for trade. Like when you select Derrick Henry in the first round of your redraft league, and then you turn to your dynasty league, all of a sudden, uh, maybe trading for Henry isn't such a bad idea. Whereas in the offseason, all you're focused on is the age and the future and, you know, Derrick Henry. Oh, no, 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 no. Way too old. No interest. No interest. Nobody's trading for Henry. It's just stupid to just write someone off purely because of their age at any value. <clears throat> What's smart is looking at that and seeing this is an opportunity to buy those aging vets for something that you want to get out from under or, you know, significantly less value at a value. So time of year playing in a factor right now with the fact that a lot of the redraft people, the redraft mentality, the mostly redraft managers are not as in tune with what dynasty values might be right now and heavily ageist. When you look at those running backs, like the older crowd, uh, Cook, Kamara, Fournette, Connor, Zeke, Aaron Jones. You got like six of those guys right there. And Eckler. Well, put them in there. You got seven of those guys. They all have top 12 running back potential. They're not going to last very long. You want to spend what people are putting as like a, a second round startup pick value on that or like an eighth or a ninth probably going to be looking at the later values on those because they're all probably going to last a similar amount of time to be honest and it's just crazy to me seeing some of them go for so much more i know we don't play a ton of redraft here but the early redraft adp has number one jonathan taylor obviously and then it's you know like cmc and derrick henry early right there and that's fine but what's really interesting is zeke is going like back of the fifth or something and it's like this dude was the rb8 last year ran for a thousand yards had 10 touchdowns on the ground 47 receptions almost 300 yards and two touchdowns and to think that he did that with a part Partially torn PCL, and you go, well, I like my players to play only when they're healthy or something. It's it's like we kind of pick and choose. Yeah. It's like CMC gets a pass for missing two whole years, but Saquon gets killed for it. And Zeke, he plays hurt, and he plays still pretty well, but eh, it wasn't quite as good as I hoped for. And Pollard looked good, so let's kill Zeke. But some of these other guys, it's like, you know, it's it's almost like they're just like picking and choosing names they like, like Derrick Henry. It's like, are we really sure he's going to come back from that Liz Frank or whatever it was and be quite the same study was? You know, hopefully. But to have that much more confidence in him than Zeke going into next year, it's like... Uh, we're talking several rounds difference. I mean, that's like... Several rounds. I, that's a lot of what I talk about when I'm trading with trends. If I'm going to be taking an older asset that doesn't have a lot of time left, I'm not going to want to spend a whole lot on them. Yep. So, I mean, that's... So that's uh, I, it's realistically going to put me outside of like the Cook, Camara, and Eckler price value when I'm actually when I'm acquiring some of these older vets. I'm going to have to kind of take my value in like Ezekiel Elliott, who you're going to get for almost half the price pretty much it is super interesting a lot of these older rbs are potential one-year rentals right like aaron jones i believe will be cut after the year aj dylan will step into the role they'll replace his backup with someone and most people have come to agree with that but they also think that about zeke they're like it's going to be pollard after the year zeke will be gone he can't be gone next year uh, his contract dictates so but like for net someone was willing to trade to me for hardman in a second and i was like okay like you know hardman or uh, Fournette rather might only be a one-year rental his contract has an out after 
after one year and it's whatever but brady will be gone after the year and i expect him to have another good year with brady uh using the receiving game a lot and obviously high powered offense and it's like if i'm going out and buying these guys it's pretty much as almost like a one-year rental kind of hopeful to last longer but it's a stud to push you over the top and i think he's every bit as a stud as some of these other guys that had a discount totally worth a second round pick yeah, I mean, I mean Hardman in a second. Yeah, Hardman could be yeah. a cut for some for I, sure. I, yeah, hard. I mean, Hardman's probably not much. I mean, yeah, he doesn't really move that very much at all for me. But a but a second round pick for a potential top twelve running back on your team for the year, especially if you have a pretty solid roster. Otherwise, that's a steal for me. Get the RB especially, six in last uh, year. Yeah, if you're getting so you're adding the RB six potentially onto your roster so now that means your second round picks probably even later mm -hmm. i mean it's possible you just traded pick 22 for an rb1 yep. for a year and these other guys like you try buying somebody like camara for that who's pretty close in age there dalvin cook same deal you're gonna have to pay a lot more than that yeah like two first people are probably looking for probably which is which is crazy the price difference it's like we're stuck in the startup adp of like two years ago right now yeah like with some of these running backs it's still in their head except for cmc and and saquon more <laughs> of them so let's move into like league size depth settings and scoring how did these items affect your trading like Mike said right there, if I get a RB1 for a second, when we say that, we are thinking 12-team Superflex PPR, you know, 10 starters a week, probably like 15 bench and taxi combined. That's what I mean, and, and we often mean when we say like a second round. It would be a second round in that type of league. One of the ways to create a trade that you like that the other manager might also like but not necessarily be evaluating the situation appropriately is when you use league size so if you sell a late first in a 16 team league that's a equivalent to pick 2.01 to 2.04 in a 12 team super flex late first sounds a lot better than 2.04 <laughs> isaiah spiller in a 12 team super flex when you say late first right sometimes you can trade your first when you're a stacked team and get great value from it without them really evaluating the situation as this is really the equivalent to an early second in a 12-team Superflex. So using league size and even like the league depth, like I know Mike here has several leagues that are too tight end. I'm actually in one startup right now that's too tight end. I have a couple other leagues that are too tight end. Tight end premium bumps up the top end of, of your tight ends. So like your your Kelsey, your Kittle, uh, your Waller for some, your Hawkinson, your Fant for me, obviously Pitts. Oh, and Mark Andrews, the guy who I really undervalued last year. That's going to bring that top end up. When you go to like two tight end, all tight end depth is important. You have to start two. You can't just run with one. You can't stream one. There are none on waivers, especially if you have deep benches. This league that I'm in with two tight end is 20 bench and five taxi. There's no tight ends on waivers. You, you have to have two to three tight ends to be able to run every week. That changes the tight end value crazily. In that startup, it, you know, obviously in the early rounds, all the top tight ends went. Then all of a sudden we get to like round eight or nine. I'm like, wait, we still have a lot of decent tight ends here. So I started scooping them up. That's going to increase the value. As far as like a, the deeper like roster leagues, all of like the paid leagues that I run, I'm running a one quarterback, a super flex, three wide receiver, three flex, a tight end, and two running back with at least 20 bench and five taxi. 
So that's a fairly deep league. In a deep league like that, depth really does matter. Having solid starters across your board does matter. It's not like a shallow 10-team league where you have 10 bench and you have two flex, two wide receiver, two running back, where you just need studs. That's the type of format where I'm really looking to break down a stud. I might sound insane, but you have a guy like Justin Herbert in, in that format and you have 10 other players that you need to start on your team. That's a guy I'm actually going to consider breaking down because you're going to get a ton of value out of that and fill out the rest of your roster. Not a a lot of people do things like that the deeper your actual roster the more it makes sense to kind of spread that love around and upgrade as much as you can across the board obviously you're trying to go for an upward trajectory with all of the players you're acquiring so you can kind of you know fill in the gaps there but that's where that really makes sense to me what you said there with rosters like the total depth the total number of players rostered in your league the total number of players started in your league definitely plays a factor on how you construct your team or how you would construct a trade like you said if it's shallow bench shallow starters the only thing that matter are studs when it's super deep and you can't pick up Braxton Berrios off the waivers and play him in your fantasy championship which is a smart move right I'm just saying but we talked about last week why our strategies suck like one of the reasons why that strategy rocks as far as fading wide receiver to get some of the premier scarce assets at running back and quarterback or even tight end in this matter is because you could pick up Braxton Berrios in a league that only rosters 300 players but like what mike describes there is a league that rosters 350 400 players it's a little bit different braxton barrios is already rostered yeah you got mega turds on the bench mm -hmm. yeah i mean like most backup quarterbacks rostered yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of backup tight ends rostered our third string running backs rostered random tight ends that you haven't even heard of rostered mm -hmm. two tight end leagues are tough they are because it really skews it skews like so much of like what you're used to doing like i mean i I've drafted so many leagues. I have over, you know, I have well over a hundred startups under my belt, like actual startups. And then I get to a league that's got two tight end and it's tight end premium. Wait, what, what am I doing here? Yeah. Like tight end premium, I can give a little bump to the top. That's easy. You know, that, that's just like a, a slight shift of rankings. And, and to be honest, I'm, I'm not going to get one of the top tight ends because yeah. still at that point, it really don't matter to me. But then two tight end, you actually need to have tight ends. It's really difficult to go ahead and figure out where is this going to hurt me? That's why I waited until around eight or nine, I think. And I took two tight ends back to back at the 11 pick and then the two pick on the way back. It gets a cold commit and no offense. I mean, you know what they say two tight ends are definitely better than one. <laughs> sure, they say that. <laughs> I say that. <laughs> Is that what they say? That's what I say. <laughs> There's at least one. You know, I've been waiting to say that <laughs> for the perfect moment. So thank you. Hmm. Um, yeah, no, I don't envy. I played in one, two tight end league and it was really hard because I typically fade tight ends. And when you have to start two every week, you've got to have two viable tight ends. And you go into, I mean, typically you can stream tight ends because whatever we all know how we feel about tight ends and you can go in and pick somebody up for the week maybe or you know somebody's always getting hurt and you can pick some backup up there is just nothing nothing it is a graveyard of tight ends i mean it's 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 hard it's tough i mean we're in round 11 irv smith's gone you know, still waiting to take Hayden Hurst as a value late, but. <laughs> How about, let's move into countering, offering, 
flexibility. Let's move into negotiating. Henry, let's start with you. You get an offer. You're not real thrilled with it. When to counter, when to not. I mean, there are other times that you just completely ignore the offer because it's that bad. Do you always counter? And how do you tackle the countering? Do you block? <laughs> do, you, do you actually physically block that person? It was that bad. <laughs> do you just tell them they're an idiot? I, how do you deal with this? <laughs> no, I'm uh, more of an open book sometimes in trading than most. Like if I get sent a deal that's, uh, if I get a deal that's like centered around ETN and uh, like ETN for Camara or something. And I'm like, hey, I really don't have any interest in moving ETN for Camara because like this is Dynasty. I really I hope for a former first round pick getting a good new head coach with a quarterback that he had rapport with in college and Kamara's pretty old, you know, whatever. Like, I won't really go that far in depth, but I'll be like, you know, uh, like maybe we can work something else for a different player. Cause I'm pretty high on him. When it turns to like actually sending a counter, I typically like to try to get some picks in there on one end or the other, right? If this person's clearly in a rebuild, I'll try to send my picks. If I think that they're trying to acquire youth because they realize their team is aging out, I'll send my picks maybe take some of their older guys and then try to make my picks late. Whereas if I'm acquiring picks, then I'll be more likely to want to acquire younger players and, you know, maybe make their picks a little higher. Okay. Mike, how about, how about you? What about your countering? My countering? I mean, the, the trade has to make sense first. Mm. You can't send me like a lopsided offer and expect a counter. I mean, it's just going to be a simple, I, I'm going to be honest. I'll just simple decline that. Yep. If it's workable, if I see something there that I like, um, maybe the values are a little skewed. Maybe a pick's on the wrong side. Then I'll, I'll definitely counter it. If values aren't going to match up, like, you know, like what he said, like, you know, with Kamara for ETN, like, I'm not going to send ETN for Kamara either. But, you know, I'll let them know, like, look, hey, I'm not really interested in Kamara for that. Mm. These are guys that I acquired last year because these are the guys I'm high on. And look, now everyone else is getting high and then they're trying to sneak them away from me. That's not going to happen. <laughs> Iowa, do you have any... Uh... You're the king of countering. Oh, man. Mike's the king of Keontae. You're the king of countering. Iowa does love his counters. I literally hate when you tell me. So, like, I'd probably counter back. I'm like, no, I just want to either know if I take it or not and then go away. Especially when it comes to you. I know. And this plays into another aspect that we haven't necessarily gotten to yet, but we will is personalities of the people you trade with that was my next i was good i was getting to that mm -hmm. so like with you you want to either accept the offer or send a counter that is going to get accepted you're not trying to sit there and go back and forth and figure out what you can and can't get away with yeah i need to get straight to the point with me if it's a new person which isn't often because often <laughs> you know once yeah. i meet someone i try to trade with them and once i've traded with them i've created a pipeline an opportunity to trade in the future we've had successful negotiations before we have a working business relationship are you interested in this no yes all right i know what you like what you don't like whether you like picks whether you like youth whether you like redraft style players whether you like quarterbacks whether you hate quarterbacks whether you love wide receivers whether you're an rb whore uh, i don't know probably should choose a better word probably an rb hoarder 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 <laughs> nick is actually describing how how he dates. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. This really is the birds and the bees. <laughs> this is the birds and the bees. It's all about the personality. Yeah, he's getting to know his woman over here. <laughs> Just so happens to be a pick. And <laughs> I love your personalities. <laughs> you join a league. You just got, you know, swiped right by 11 people. 
<laughs> now it's this is your opportunity to create a working relationship with these people or you know you may find out that these are people that you're not trying to mess with <laughs> sometimes the people that have messed with the most people are the people you actually want to mess with so it's it's not exactly like you know oh dating boy. services Watch out. <laughs> <Use> protection <laughs> sounds exactly like dating this is rank draft trade and your best dating advice for those of you listening. <laughs> this is rank date trade. It rank date Sometimes trade. Sometimes if you haven't traded in a while, you need a you need a slump buster, right? You make some kind of not so great trade. You're like, okay, there you go. Get you out of that rut. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's fine. Yeah. Just drink enough. You get a little beer goggles. Get you know. <laughs> so you know, somebody sends you an offer and it's not something you want to accept, you know, maybe sending an acceptable counter will be a a nice rebound. Get you out of your no-trade slump. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> All you needed to do was put it in this type of terminology. I'm finally understanding trading. <laughs> <laughs> From a non-play on words sense, not everyone thinks like I do. And I should not assume that everyone thinks the same way that I do. At least it decreases the odds of trading with someone who doesn't think like me. I like to have an open mind as far as what the other person might value players at, their perspective on things, how they like to construct a team, how they like to do trades. Everybody's a little different. Everybody has certain things that they prefer and certain things that completely turn them off to trading. <laughs> Some people don't like to talk. They just like to get to business and then move on to their next match. <laughs> I had a girl once tell me, she's like, she's like, hey, can you shut the hell up? She's like, can you just not talk? I don't think she said hell. Yeah, she did not. She's like, can you shut up? I cannot. <laughs> Henry is laughing. Yeah. Less talking, more action. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I need you to shut up and get to business. So once you've, uh, you know, matched with someone previously, uh, it, it becomes easier to match with them again. You know, it can be two o'clock in the morning and you can hit them up and they might be down to trade. Just to sir. make trades. Two o'clock in the morning. You are trading with people at two o'clock in the morning. I know you are. Yeah. I like to find the clashing personality. I want to find the guy that's got Eckler at RB3. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, what I want to trade with. That's always a good strategy, too. Different positional rankings are easy to work with. Like if I like ETN and someone loves Eckler or something, that's like, okay, I'll give you Eckler for ETN in a second or something. Like, awesome. Easy, easy trade down. Tearing down like running backs, I know like everybody's got Jonathan Taylor as their RB1, but like what's the gap between him and the next group there? Because I've been seeing some wild trades. Uh, I've been seeing like, you know, Javante in a first and like a second going for Taylor. And I, I just think that's, that's crazy. It makes me want to trade some Taylor. It really does depend like per league a lot of the time if I have enough space to kind of hold on to those picks. Where like if I'm trading for third, if a third round's involved in a trade, or something and i'm already over on players i'll be a little more willing to like send a future third in a deal or something because i'm like i'm already over next year i'm gonna probably be over and just get rid of my picks right so in that case you know i can understand wanting to tear up sometimes but for the most part i agree with you but once you've done it so many times in a league it's like i can only acquire so many of these mid to good assets for studs at some point i do have to put together an awesome lineup yeah, i mean eventually so, you don't have enough space to take all the stuff that you just broke down right, into a million pieces exactly what i'm saying I mean, yeah. th that's when I start to go ahead and consolidate. So I want to go back to relationships for a minute on a, on a serious note, sort of. <laughs> Nothing's ever serious. How much do you get to know your league mates? And when you get to know your league mates, you know, 
know, some people show their cards a little more than others. Do you make trades based on like, okay, I know so-and-so really likes this guy and he has him overvalued mm -hmm. and I have him and I'm going to go take advantage. Maybe take advantage is a bad term, but you know what I mean? I'm going to go sell this guy because I know this guy wants him. I mean, how much of that goes into your trading? Oh, that, that happens a lot. Part of that is just matching up, matching up a person. Like you go to trade with Papa. Mm -hmm. If you want, you do something and Daniel Jones for something, you're going to get a counter out of Papa. At least. <laughs> yeah. Because he, he's down to take on Daniel Jones. He may not like the way the deal is constructed or the player is giving up or the other player he's acquiring but you've added something in the deal that is of interest to the other party like or i have Tua. jags right, right. <laughs> yeah we're running we're running out of daniel jones to send me yeah uh -huh. mm -hmm. we have jags fans in the chat mm -hmm. yeah so you send them a jags player there you're gonna get a counter out of them at least they're interested in making a deal they love etn henry's gonna buy all the aaron Rodgers. mm-hmm I just, I, Papa and I made a deal with Rogers and Daniel Jones the other day that some people turned their noses up at. They hated it. <laughs> of course. Oh, it's the perfect deal. <laughs> I liked it. I liked it quite a bit. Yeah, I'm going I mean, to... I have them really close. I mean, I like it. Oh, my God, they're so happy. Right, yeah, it, was, it was like Daniel Jones and something small for Rogers and some. I gave a... you uh, Rogers and a third for Jones and a second. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. I mean, I, I rank them very closely. I'm very high on Jones, though. So I think I have almost no Rogers to sell you, Henry. That's definitely a way you could take advantage of me. If you're low on Daniel Jones, you can send me Daniel Jones. I got other players in my leagues that are, I'm in a lot of leagues with, and I have a guy that loves everything that's Bills. And, you know, okay. you're, you're good to say. Everything that has to do with the bills, oh, the any bills. bill, any former bill, anything about the bills, electric bills, gas bills, <laughs> yeah, <Blue> bills. Gabe <laughs> yeah, Davis. Bills. I, I, I acquired Gabe Davis in deals specifically to, to then send to this specific guy because he will take them. I'm not kidding. Like <laughs> you, you buy logos, you you know they're yep. gonna love their players, especially people who aren't in a lot of leagues. They love their team. Mm -hmm. You see that Packers logo in the in the, you know. In the sleep wrap, oh, there's my Aaron Jones trade. That's how I'm getting rid of him. You know, you, you get to know your league mates. You kind of, you, you learn the players they like. We have, you know, one of our favorite league mates loves Pickens. Mm -hmm. If I can get a deal where I still have Pickens, I'm going to send him Pickens. You like you know? Pickens too, though. I do, not but as not as much, much as, as him. Not as much as Cheesco. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh, Cheesco. Yeah, I always keep good to deal with. He just, you know, he counters back and forth. Henry, it's a lot more, you know, casual. Like, hey, you want to do something with yeah. this? It's like, yeah. Like, all right, well, let me know what you want. <laughs> if it's fair, we'll go for it. Yeah. I swear Henry and Mike just trade to trade. We He'll, he'll hit me up yeah. sometimes. He's like, hey, so you have Daniel Jones in here. Like, what if I give you, you know, a first and like some wide receiver that's kind of a bench? But I'm like, okay, whatever. But yeah, whatever. Iowa sends me trades all the time, and I literally <laughs> send him the gif of me like breathing in a bag because <laughs> I'm panicking. I'm like, why do you do this to me? Most common gif. You're like, yeah, what do you think of this trade or something? I'm like, she has to be dealing with Iowa right now because she would she'd <laughs> yes, be asking yeah, him. Because I would go to him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> You know my secrets, yeah. Henry. Oh, yeah, you can't get one over on me. Not just a hat rack, my friend. Some 
very occasionally it's because uh, Iowa was not answering yeah. me back. I was like, I don't know where he is. He's always like so quick to mm. respond. And I, if it's something like I kind of need to know quick, I'm like, all right, I'll go to him. No offense, Mike. I would go to you too. I just sometimes Claire answers me back quick and I know you're busy. Like Higher on the message board. Yeah. Yeah. More recently responded. Yeah. yeah. You start with a C. I yeah. start with a P. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah, right. But, right. Yeah. We were talking about Herbert and Josh Allen there, right? And Papa loves Daniel Jones. Those are guys where Herbert going into the rookie draft was extremely undervalued. He was obviously going behind to a Burrow. He was like a late first in a lot of formats. Uh, we see it kind of now with Mac Jones, although I don't think he can make the leap that Herbert and uh, like Burrow or Josh Allen have made. But that first year when the Bills were just atrocious, they had guys retiring at halftime. I mean, they were so bad. They were like 24-point underdogs to the Vikings and won, but it was like Josh Allen stinks. What an awful pick. They really took him over Lamar Jackson, who was looking awesome. And if you went out and bought him at current value for someone like Daniel Jones is around where that value might be your Darnold even area. It's like, that's someone that has incredible upside. I was talking to tips about that uh, in a league where we were looking at drafting Desmond Ritter or uh, Damian Pierce. And it's like, which one of these guys can become worth a ton? It's like, it's probably not the running back for the Texans. It's probably the quarterback that might wind up being a Jalen Hurts light or, a, you know, Justin Fields or Lamar Jackson light. That's what I look at with like a lot of what I'm trying. I mean, that's yeah. why I acquired Daniel Jones. Like, I mean, I, I beat a dead horse with it. I mean, leaving the upside. He's drafted so late in startups. You can get him for a late second round pick. You have a new offensive coordinator, new offense, mm-hmm. players coming back healthy. They're kind of building around him, improved offensive line and going for right around where Jared Goff is and people value Goff as like a third round pick. That is the trajectory I'm looking for. I'm looking for somebody that can take that leap and actually gain value when I'm acquiring players. So younger wide receivers, you know, I'm looking for the same thing. The players that are valued in like the fifth, sixth, seventh round of startups who I think could be, you know, third round startup picks. That's the type of trajectory I'm looking for. So when we talk here, it's a little bit different dynamic than maybe what the average listener has in their league. It's a different beast when you literally show someone exactly how you value players and then you try to trade with them. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it can also create more trades if you're using it correctly. Mm -hmm. Like when you know, you know, Mike wants Daniel Jones, you know you can start a trade by doing that. Whereas if you don't know the person, you're going cold turkey trying to trade with somebody who you've never met or talked to or even DM before. They have to accept their first DM for you to be able to offer them a trade. (laughs) It might be a little bit different dynamic. Mm. Hopefully listening to us, you hear a couple different perspectives of how people look at the values of players. And it's like, oh, maybe my trade partner has similar views to Henry, Mm. or maybe has similar views to Mike, or maybe for some reason they like Gaskin, like Noble. Love Gaskin. You might get (laughs) shot down a lot. Mm -hmm. Your percentage per offer, accepted percentage of offers. It's like baseball. You're betting 300. It's awesome. Mm -hmm. Even lower. (laughs) Oh, definitely lower definitely lower last saturday i sent out like 40 offers and got four so don't be discouraged by the decline <laughs> i have a bit of actionable advice here go for it Ooh, breaking henry for the listener i think when people put someone on the trade block right you sometimes you'll get some league interaction where like they'll put an emoji by it or they'll be like oh that guy was just in a headline so you put him on the block some guy will make some smart alky comment whatever go ahead and do whatever you want but if you're interested in someone that gets put on the trade
trade block, there is a feature on Sleeper where you can indicate interest in a player. And if people really interacted more with the trade block and the liking of players, that can kind of create a launch point to a deal. You say, I'm wanting to shop this player, and someone says, I'm interested. And then you kind of know who to send out the offers to and whatnot. Whereas if you put someone on the block and you just hear nothing, you're like, okay, <laughs> no one's alive in this league. Nobody wants Miles Gaskin. <laughs> I mean, also, like with that, like feel free to actually talk to the person. Yep. If you're not sure what they want, if their team is kind of ambiguous, you really can't figure out what direction they're going in you know what they need talk to them mm -hmm. they throw a guy on the block hey i'm interested in this player is there anyone on my team you're interested in? maybe we can start you know talking something you know you don't have to say hey what do you want for saquon you know you can you know try to have a little bit of a dialogue with it that's a good point to go off of that. Do you just put an offer out there? Do you send a trade offer or do you prefer to make communication with your league mate and say, I'm interested in this guy. Would you be interested in, in trading? Do you find one or the other to be successful as far as trading, like to have that dialogue or to just put together a trade and send it and then communicate? It depends on the league mate. Like I was saying before, last Saturday I sent out like 40 offers. I got four trades done out of mm. that that's not a very high percentage i mean they were blind offers people i haven't traded with like ever mm -hmm. mm. you know i i sent a ton of them out i got a lot of declines i got some counters that didn't work out so that helped out a lot but i do get a lot of success like when somebody does throw them on the block who i haven't traded with or don't have a relationship with yet and, and actually just communicating with them and talking to them you know like, like hey i'm interested in this i'm gonna send some likes on your team maybe you could do the same we can work something out and generally i do pretty well with that if they're active and they actually want to take the time to do so. Henry, how about you? That's one of my favorite things is sometimes you'll get like a blind offer from someone and you know, I'm sure when you get a blind offer that they sent out a ton of blind offers at once, right? I'm not the only person that's getting these offers. And so it's hard to tell if they're just looking for, uh, you know, a mark, like someone to be an idiot and accept an offer. So a lot of the times I'll be like, hey, uh, you know, I, I do like that player quite a bit, but this player would be hard to move or whatever. Like, what exactly are you trying to accomplish in this trade? Do you need a running back for your team? Do you need a wide receiver are you looking to get younger are you looking to compete this year if i can kind of understand the direction they're going and iterate which direction i want to go then sometimes that can be helpful in a deal okay like one of the most difficult per people to trade with though is like somebody who takes over an orphan in the league who you've never shared a league with mm -hmm. you don't know how they draft you don't know how they value anybody you, you got nothing <laughs> yeah new new blood yep so you're feeling around in the dark more with that kind of a thing <laughs> A lot of the aspects you guys are touching on and examples you're using is derived from the individual league manager's motive to trade. If they put a guy on the block, they either want to sell this guy or they need something. So it's like you look at their team, they don't have any quarterbacks and they just put their best RB on the block. They might be thinking, I need to try to fix my quarterback. Mm -hmm. So you might have more success looking at their team like, okay, they need a quarterback. They just put JT on the block. They're trying to fix their quarterback situation. Or you look at their team and it's terrible and they put their stud but older veteran on the block. They're probably looking for picks and young pieces. Understanding the motive of the individuals. Once again, once you've traded with them before, you played them with leagues with them before, you played with them for years, you understand their motive better. But using the understanding of their motive to craft trades that they would like is key to pulling off more trades. Not 
trying to be um what's the word i'm looking for here like counterculture or something go against the grain but if someone's in a lot of headlines right we keep seeing tyreek hill talk about how tua might be more accurate than mahomes he's a better you know whatever quarterback than mahomes or something Devonte adams talking up Carr, right Carr and tua both got a bump when they got the receivers and felt like mahomes didn't really take a ding but maybe rogers took a bit of a ding losing Devonte to some um now might be a good time to get out on Carr and tua if people are elevating them a ton and there's other quarterbacks right now like zach wilson is one who people seem to be elevating a lot because they're like mm-hmm. oh awesome he got garrett wilson that offense is improving offensive line whatever there's like a good narrative around them and whereas other players it's like super quiet like justin fields it just feels like hopeless for him it's like a downward arrow for justin fields and it's not always going to be hopeless for the bears like they got a new head coach and somehow that's almost a negative that he got rid of Nagy. this should almost be a positive as wide receiver two just sucks and oh man like the ravens were good last year with just marquise brown and mark andrews right maybe Komet could be the next andrews and that team could be a run first offense right i'm not calling the bears the ravens and they're probably gonna be bad this year but to just kill fields and be elevating other people is creates a potential deal where you could look at some of these guys that are going up in the news and the headlines potential sell highs and buy lows there buy and sell trends definitely you gotta look at those trends fields is on a downward trend for the public for some reason that's a buy and zach wilson i mean i know you're really high on him but like people are getting close to where i had him <laughs> people are like getting over where you had him that's kind of where you're yeah i know they are that's kind of where you gotta move him. i know i'm not i'm not moving him i got him where i got him <laughs> directly from what you're saying there i saw you got fields and a 12 team super flex just for a straight 23 first yeah i saw him make that deal in another league and i was like i'll do that trade <laughs> yeah i was actually talking i was actually talking to the same person and i could not compete with your offer because i wasn't <laughs> able to trade my 23 first because i had a worse team mm. so just because it was that 23 first you had a better team i guess or something i don't know no no, no your team was a lot better than mine like your, your mm-hmm. 23 first is probably later and mine's probably mm-hmm. going to be the 101 again so i could not trade oh, my 23 okay. first okay. specifically mm-hmm. for justin fields even though i had several first round picks in 2022 <laughs> early second i had some pieces i could have moved but i could not compete with any offer because you offered that 23 first Yep, some people uh, obviously start to learn people's trends. You watch them make deals in other leagues, and that can kind of also give you an indication of what they're looking to do. Do I think that that trade could look really bad for me in a year? Yeah, it could. It feels just flames out, and they're like, you know, hey, we're a new coach. We don't really uh, want to play that style, whatever. You know, it could go up in flames. And that 23 first could be higher than expected, and the class could be awesome, whatever. It was just a deal that I was willing to make. It helped me solve my quarterback uh, situation. And anytime you can make a deal make sense to both people, that's when it's going to get completed. So that's definitely what I should to look for if i even had a team in that league that had a shot at making the playoffs I, it was a horrible orphan i took with like mm-hmm. nothing on it it was if i even had a glimmer of hope <laughs> to make the playoffs i would have made that trade too everyone is very high in the 23 class i mean you should be there's a lot of top prospects at fantasy relevant positions that's why the class is hyped it's nothing to do with the defense nothing to do with any of the other players running backs quarterbacks and one tight end and obviously there's there's some receivers too mixed in there and there's a bunch of them that are hyped that are potential you know solid first round picks for our dynasty drafts next year but it's the hype is kind of getting out of control at times where you're able to get some nice studs 
for potentially late picks. Worst case scenario, Justin Fields isn't very good, like plays really bad. Odds are he's probably still worth 112 next year. Yeah. Yep. So it's a super safe investment. And that's your QB three or four. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Fields in specific, not to harp on that trade too much. Cause again, I think it was a fine deal by the other manager. I really do. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously do whatever deal you believe in, right? The last thing you want to do is like do something cause it's what some value she told you and you don't really agree with it, but the value was there quote unquote. And it's just not what you thought. But last year there was a real conversation before the NFL draft of people having fields over Trevor Lawrence. And maybe even at some point during the year or post draft, some people still had it that way. And the truth typically always lies in between, right? I was lower on fields than most coming out. He really dispelled a lot of concerns around him that some people in the public had, you know, the one read thing I, you know, going in, didn't think it's because, you know, fields was dumb or a bad quarterback or something. Everyone should have known it was kind of just the Ohio state offense and how they like to run things. That play is drawn up to go to this guy. It's going to be open. You know, it's college. The defense is going to leave it open. But to think that he was like the 102 for a lot of people and now he's, you know, maybe not even worth the 23 first to some or something is uh it's a quite a big drop for someone that didn't even play poorly i mean I, I still see him going in the second and third round of startups so yeah i think that's solid value on your end and i think he could definitely pay off for the other team as well though i mean obviously i mean it feels doesn't do great could be stroud yeah that pick kind of skews skews into like six mm-hmm. you know seven it might seem it's not like some super team in there i don't think so yeah all of a sudden there's a quarterback there and mm-hmm. then it's a win and the other benefit to the other team is he got rid of a player get rid of a Roster spot and in that and and a roster he gets gains a roster spot and on top of that that league is determined by reverse max pf straight so he's getting all of those potential points away and now he's making his draft pick earlier that is a perfect transition into our last segment here so to end our trade discussion let's talk about 2023 picks have you successfully traded for and away any 2023 picks henry let's start with you what have you done with your 2023 picks obviously we just had the the field deal. i did trade away a 23 second in a deal involving mclaren and uh, hardman and someone else for net but yeah as a whole it's it's interesting right you have some people that believe the 23 class is going to be awesome and it's kind of like when you have a sale going on at a store they're like it's the big summer blowout it's the best sale we've ever had ever and that's kind of what happens with the draft every year in my opinion now some people like to get their scouting hats on and go no this class is really awesome it's like the 2013 draft class where you know the top 10 picks are all going to be hall of famers or something and again i believe the truth lies in between class is going to be good and you know we see rookie receivers getting better and better they're playing more seven on seven and they come in the nfl and dominate earlier but again some people it's like i'd rather have a 23 first than like the 106 or something we we had a question earlier today it was like garrett wilson or 23 first and it's like i'll take garrett wilson because i get a year to see if he's really good and then if he's not he was a top 10 pick and hopefully just keeps developing the rapport of zach wilson but at least i have someone that profiles to be an alpha ran a 438 at the combine and was awesome so it's a think that some people uh you know then other people really undervalue future picks currently not trading for you know many 24 or 25 picks that's not something i'm super into but if it makes sense it makes sense i guess mike how about you what what are you doing with your 2023 picks any of the ones that i have unless i like i do have a super team i'm kind of holding them to see where my team is before i kind of move them unless i go ahead and find a situation that arises where i'm going to be gaining value no matter what yeah i'm trying to see where my team is i'm trying to figure out where my pick is you know or kind of trending before i'm i'm trying to move it at this point 
just because I, I know I can get a lot of value out of this pick. It's not because I don't trade first. I, I will always trade first away if it makes sense. But the hype of this class is just, it's out of control. I, I haven't seen a single class ever get hyped this much years in advance. And, and the amount of trades that you're able to make for single first is just astounding. And I know by the trade deadline, if I have a, a contender, I'll be able to get a player that is worth a, a lot more than what my pick will be. As far as acquiring the picks, it, it, it's getting a little difficult to, to acquire, but I am uh, uh, tearing down studs into high upside pieces. Like uh, one of the trades I, I've done was uh, I traded Najee for the 101 this year, which was Brees Hall at a 23 first. And I already have Brees Hall pretty close to Najee, so I was able to go ahead and add that 23 first on top. If I'm trading for a 23 first, I'm always valuing it as like as the 112. I'm always valuing it as late because you never know what's going to happen in a team. If I'm trading my my pick away, even if I'm fairly certain my pick is late, I'm, I'm trading it as a mid to early pick either way. And that's just on the hype and public perception on the value of the picks. Okay. Iowa, 2023. Adding on to some of the things he said there, not only are you valuing it as 112, that pick is also 112 plus a roster spot for the next 12 months. So that roster spot kind of adds a little value back to that pick. I feel if I buy a pick at worst case scenario for its value, then no matter what, it's at least a break even if not it's a W. Then you add in the fact that, it, you know, you free up a roster spot that adds a little bit to the person acquiring the first also there's 12 months before you actually get to realize the value of this pick and use it in an attempt to win a week in fantasy football is it the 23 112 is worth more or less or the same as right now as it is on draft day it's worth less right now it's going to be worth more on draft day and pretty much it even if it's not worth as much as draft day after that it's going to be worth more after that as it is right now because you have to wait a year before you use it and like henry said not too into acquiring 24 picks 25 picks because that's too years mm -hmm. before you even get to use this player you could have sold the player you sold for that 24 pick twice over for more than that 24 pick in value often by then like the question do i want a player select in the mid first of this year more than a future 23 first i almost always want the player because Odds are I can sell that player for that same pick next year plus pretty much any time between now and then, as long as I haven't made a terrible mistake, as long as I haven't drafted Brian Edwards Terrence or Marshall. Trey Sermon or Terrace Marshall. Miles Gaskin. <laughs> you said it earlier that certain times of the year can make better trades happen. That's kind of when I see a lot of picks getting traded, right? Like 23 first to me, right? Let's say they're at 70% of the value that they'll be on draft day right now it's rookie draft season people go oh man this time next year i'm really gonna want picks and i think the class is gonna be awesome whatever that's fine when they get in the season next year and they start competing or whatever and they're gonna be more willing to trade their 23 picks they're gonna go well i really want this stud and so i'm gonna sell my pick at lower value than they currently have it at right mid-season if they're a contender that pick might drop in value to them 
whereas I value their pick pretty much the same. I know you guys said you're not really trading for 24 or 25 picks. I'm not either, but if I do need something to kind of fill a gap with a team that's very good right now, very old, maybe if you like notice a team that's got like, you know, Fournette, Aaron Jones, Hopkins, you know, like a whole bunch of like the, the older guys and maybe they don't have their pick in 23. So they don't really have a lot to kind of build off of. I could always use that like 24 first to kind of fill in a gap in a trade where I'm trying to, you know, trying to make with them where they really don't have a ton of assets to really kind of like build us another super team. And maybe they're not as good the following year, probably paying the value of like a 23 second for that 24 first or, you know, something like that. My perspective right now is not everyone's perspective, but my perspective is buying picks right now. I know we've talked about it previously where it might not be the very cheapest time to buy picks. They're fresh off their rookie draft. They just felt the rush of picking a rookie and now I've got this rookie with who knows what the upside is on my team. So all I have to wait is until next year and I can feel that mm. euphoria of drafting someone again. So maybe it's not the very cheapest point. Both you guys have given examples like moving back in a draft or trading for a player that pick could have more value than it does today. You talked about trading Justin Fields for a 23 first. I've got a couple deals where I traded four picks right now. And this is often my approach right now because you leave a rookie draft. You've got more players on your roster than you're supposed to roster. Mm -hmm. You don't always have a whole bunch of cuts that you automatically know, okay, this person's rostered in 6% of leagues. I can probably cut this person. This person's rostered in 24% of leagues. I can probably get away with cutting this person in a 300 rostered league. I'm trying to free up spaces. Like I've got a, my entire team is 75% rostered or higher on sleeper. I might not have anybody I can cut, but I'm over three or four players. One way to solve this problem is to acquire future picks. So basically over the last couple of weeks, and even like a lot of these trades I'm about to show you here or over the last month are ways for me to try to free up roster spots without giving away value for my fantasy roster. Now, you may look at it and say, why do you, you don't, these picks aren't helping you win. It's two years. It's a year from now. Well, it's better to trade your third worst player than it is to cut your worst player. If you can turn that third worst player into something of value. So that has been my goal since basically rookie drafts have started ending, especially when someone hits free agency that I really want, but I'm over players, so I can't actually cut anyone to pick this person up. I'm trying to turn these players into future picks. You talked about it earlier. Sometimes you get a guy that sends the same trade to everybody in the league. That was me over the last couple of weeks. It has been to acquire mostly seconds and thirds out of players that I'm not super excited about, but there have been a handful of deals. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six here that involved a 23 first, and I'm curious you guys' thoughts. 12-team Superflex, I got Justin Fields, a 23 first, a 24 second for Keenan Allen, Traylon Burks, and David Bell. Now, one of the things I hate about Twitter polls and questions and group chats is when people don't specify the needed information to be able to give an accurate response to whether a trade is good or bad or whether you should or shouldn't do it. Is it a late first? Is it an early first? Well, if I'm buying it, I'm buying it at a late first or a late second. 
second, like Papa said here. So assuming it's a late first and a late second, Justin Fields, would you buy those giving up Keenan Allen, Traylon Burks, and David Bell? I'm assuming you had roster space issue there? Yes. I would gladly re-roll David Bell into a future second. I would gladly turn Keenan Allen into a 23 first straight up as the 112. Let's say, let's say it's guaranteed the 112. I'm good with that. And I'll take Justin Fields over Traylon Burks. Plus, you get two roster spaces. It's a small win. I, I like it. And Papa followed that deal a lot better than me. <laughs> Dude, the way Papa broke it down makes total sense to me. I was having difficulty following in the air all the players that went to which side. But yeah, uh, I know I'm not a, quite as high as Bell as on others, but I like it for you. 23-112. Would you rather have that or Ayuk? Ayuk in a vacuum. Yeah. If I can roster Ayuk, yeah. Well, I mean, you can always roster Ayuk. It's what do you have to cut to keep Ayuk. Mm-hmm. So odds are you're not cutting anywhere in, anywhere as close to Ayuk's value. Mm-hmm. So you're not selling a potential cut for a future first. But this is a league where I'm over like nine players that are all 75% rostered or more. So I was literally going down the list trying to find some way to move it. I traded this to the person who was picking 1.01 in our 22 draft. Right, yeah. If that 23 first is like 106, then yeah, that becomes a much more interesting discussion. Yeah. Exactly. So that's part of the reason why context matters. Definitely. So if you ask your poll on Twitter or to your group chat, these are context clues that matter between W, Fair, and L and when evaluating a trade. I've got another one for you here. PPR, 12-team Superflex, 0.5 TEP. I acquired Waller, a 23 first and a 23 second. So this person's next year draft class and Waller and tight end premium. For Godwin and Elijah Mitchell, which side would you prefer? Assuming that this is 112 and 212 for the 23 picks. I'd take the Waller side, but I'm also much lower on Elijah Mitchell than most. I think he's someone that's a decent trade away. We saw he can handle the workload, 20 carries. But they did add Tyrion Davis Price, and I don't think Sermon's all the way out of the picture. You know, he might get another chance. I don't think he's good, but it is a crowded backfield, and they like to just run whoever they want at any point. They could also end up picking up a cut. Yep, they could do whatever they want. Mm-hmm. Mitchell kind of proved the opposite that he couldn't handle the workload because he was kind of hurt a lot. Yep. But he, yeah, you know, when he was that, when he was on, he was on. I, I never like acquiring Waller. I, I just think he's just always been overvalued since he broke out. But I do like that move. I think I recall that trade in that league. I think you had a decent number of running backs. I think Mitchell was one of your like mm-hmm. your worst startable running backs on your team. RB eight on his team. <laughs> it was like. Yep. Yeah, it was, it was something crazy where he was like the RP5 or 6 or something sitting on your bench. You know me. <laughs> <laughs> you RB whores, you. So, I mean, that freed up a roster spot. Godwin might not even be ready for the start of the season. He might be slow to start anyway. And then Brady's gone next year. Who knows what the quarterback situation is? Or who knows where he is anyway? Godwin could be a roster spot if he fits on your IR. Hush <laughs> your mouth, Henry. Brady's playing forever. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not for Tampa, though. Yeah. I mean, so you turn, so you you get a first and a second even for like let's say the first and the seconds for godwin that, that that's fine value there plus the roster space and elijah mitchell for waller and it's tight and premium is definitely a win for most people yep i don't have the official final numbers because some of the drafts are still going right now but it looks like tdp is going to be my number one most roster rookie from this season I remember we were in mock drafts and i was like where's ty davis price at and then i was like oh his name is actually Tyrion <laughs> davis price and i was like he's 
there, but mm-hmm. seriously, pre-draft, no one was in on this guy, and uh, I had him as mm-hmm. like the top six RB going into the draft, and apparently so did the Niners, which is an awesome running mm-hmm. team, but who knows, he could get sermoned. Ah, but come draft day, uh, <laughs> I get him. <laughs> I have another one for you. Another trade. Let's go. Oh, what do we get now? What do you got? This one involves one of Henry's favorite players. Ooh. Christian Watson. Oh, yes. Ooh. Ooh. Brian Robinson. And a 23 first acquired. Okay. For A.J. Brown and Desmond Ritter. Now, context. Christian Watson, Brian Robinson, 23 first, is acquired from the guy who is picking first in the 22 draft. For A.J. Brown and Desmond Ritter. 12-team Superflex. Which side? You got. Henry's going with Watson. So even if he was picking last last draft, I'd probably take the Watson side. Yeah, Henry, there's like, are you even asking this for real? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm like, come on, Nick. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Henry, we already know the answer. Papa, for you here. Can, can you repeat the trade? Because I just got offered a trade and I got and I got distracted. Mm-hmm. It is Watson of the Christian variety. It is Robinson of the Brian variety, and it is a 23 first. I'm assuming 112, yeah. but I'm getting this from Jack, who was picking 1.01. Okay. And I'm trading him AJ Brown and Desmond Ritter for Christian Watson, Brian Robinson, and a 23 first. Which side would you prefer? Definitely your side there. I I, I definitely want the Watson side. I, I mean, Watson. I'm also I'm also high on Watson. I mean, yeah. say it a lot. I mean, I'm not low on Sky Moore. It's just that he could be the number one for Aaron Rodgers, and that's a hell of a lot better than a number four for Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Throw in McNipples, and we got a deal. <laughs> slip it in so i mean realistically i mean with aj brown he's definitely he's definitely taking a value hit going to the eagles so there's not really a huge gap value wise between aj brown and christian watson for me get this several rounds of startup value there but realistically the actual gap and actual value is maybe a future second really i mean he's got the knees of todd Gurley. The wild card here for me is Ritter mm-hmm. because if he's mm. the starter and they win a few games and they don't replace him next year, all of a sudden his value shoots up and it makes it look like this is a lot more questionable of a deal. But you got the second value out of him when you already took him in the second. That that you can ignore. You can ignore whatever happens to Ritter because you got what you put into him mm-hmm. and you just put it into him. I have Brian Robinson and Ritter really close right now knowing what I know. Yeah, I have Christian Watson significantly behind A.J. Brown, but the 23 first plus Christian Watson being worth more than A.J. Brown, even if the 23 first is 112. So I think it has, you know, odds to break even or better in the long run. Yeah, I was definitely thinking Watson plus B-Rob is definitely better than A.J.B. and then the first is better than Ritter. Mm-hmm. I mean, anytime you could take, like, a, a wide receiver that's taken in the first round of Dynasty drafts and, like, break down like, you know, that, like, third-tier wide receiver like A.J. Brown into him, plus another first, that's always a win. Mm-hmm. The the values of just of, of wide receivers, I mean, they kind of fluctuate at that top end. Like, there was a point, not this past season, the last season, you know, DK Metcalf, number, you know, mm-hmm. 101 startup pick yeah. versus Dynasty Superflex just because, you know, he's a freak. Mm-hmm. He's 22 years old, and, you know, and now we have Jefferson and Chase. It's just all of these, there's a lot of great receivers in the league, and, and, and you know, and that's the thing about the wide receiver position. There's a lot of them. There's, there's two or three or four on the field at any given moment. 
moment. So there's a lot of guys catching balls. Mm -hmm. So when you go ahead and take one of them that's like in that third tier and kind of get a guy that's in like that fifth or sixth tier and then add another one of them in a first round pick that's late, that, that's going to be a win. Two years ago it was Diggs, the guy who gets picked in the middle of rounds and startups who ends up being one of the top ones. Last year it was Cup, the guy who gets picked in the middle of rounds who ends up being a top one. And Debo. It's always there. Yeah. It's always there. Yeah. Yep, just like Debo. I got another one for you here for young men who shake their fist at clouds uh, being Henry who <laughs> you know shakes his fist at Sky Moore. Mm. Mm-hmm. I acquired DeAndre Swift a 23 first and a 24 third. So I'm assuming 112. Swift 23 first, 24 third. Four. ETN, Rashad White and Sky Moore. And you get a first for Sky Moore. Incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I still don't take him in the first this year. One more time. Swift 23 first, 24 third for ETN, Rashad White and Sky Moore. Henry loves Sky Moore. Well, we can dispel the 5-9 love. Henry's like, I don't want Sky Moore anywhere. I, I like Sky Moore. I would take him probably to a 1-2-0-2. That's about where I would take him. Yeah. Rerolling him into a 23 first, that's at worst higher than I would take Sky Moore in a weaker class. And then taking Rashad White. I mean, we like him, but I mean, he is an older back. You're adding a second round pick on top of ETN. As high as I am on ETN, I will throw a second round pick on top of him into Swift any day. I like it. That's already that. That's just turn. That's just turning him into what is the pretty much the peak value for a running back anyway. I like the value for you. This is another one where I'm trying to free up roster spots and I acquire future picks. Now some of these leagues, like I've acquired a ton of these picks for next year and even for the year after that. I don't actually have to make these picks. Mm-hmm. It's not like I have to add these ten picks. Now next year I have onto my roster. I can use them to trade up or put together or push forward or whatever. Picks I like to think of as money in the bank and they don't cost you a roster spot. So they don't take up space in your wallet. You know, you can still sit down and your butt doesn't get numb after an hour because you're so fat with bills. Mm-hmm. It's in the bank. You know what I mean? That's what picks are to me. So if you can turn players who are okay but you have some question marks into picks and put that money into the bank specifically when you need roster spots that's what i'm trying to do it now if i'm trying to i've got players that i could roll the dice and they could be worth a lot if i'm just straight normal my my team is fine and i'm not over under whatever a little bit more hesitancy whether i want to hold on to these cards and see if they could increase in value before i sell them but when i need to free up spots that's when i'm trying to let you know i'm just fine pushing it forward turning in 23 first into Sky Moore and getting Swift for Swift and a third for ETN and Richard White. Side note, it's not healthy for your back to Put your wallet in your back pants. You should either put it in the side pocket or the front of your pants. It keeps you yeah, level you shouldn't while you're be sitting. sitting. You won't have a tight end if you mm. sit on your wallet yeah, constantly. Don't, don't, don't sit on your wallet. It's not healthy. <laughs> it's mm. true. It's mm. true. I know you're talking a lot about freeing up roster spots there. And uh, I know Mariota was on a lot of waiver wires last year. And Trubisky may be fewer because he actually played some games. But it does bring up the question of Baker Mayfield, right? Even if he doesn't wind up playing football this year as a starter for anyone or just doesn't play the whole year. 
it's kind of reminiscent of the Jimmy Garoppolo uh, situation for me when he was in New England, where he was a second-round pick, and he kind of sat behind Brady for a long time. He takes up a roster spot, but he could potentially be a late 23 first if he gets a deal. Brady, Rodgers, retire or something, and he goes and becomes the franchise quarterback for someone. Is someone kind of flying under the radar that I think you could sneak into trades super cheap? Oh, definitely. I mean, there's a lot of quarterbacks that could sneakily retire next year. I mean, like, I mean, obviously everybody knows Brady, Rodgers, then we forget about, like, Stafford, Matt Ryan. I am Stafford. People don't like to think about Stafford, but he's kind of close to Rodgers there, and he's actually been hurt a few times. Yep, the back for sure. He wins it again. Is he really going to want to do it again? Yep. I have one last one for you guys involving a 23 first, and then we probably got to get out of here. Nick loves trading. Mm-hmm. I know. Sky Moore may be easy to Ooh. look over mm-hmm. or overlook, standing at 5'9", <laughs> but I have a, a few others here for you here in, involved in this trade, and I think the vast majority of these, that they, they actually all are bigger than 5'9 here. So I acquired Gibson, Watson of the Christian variety, mm. and the 23 first from this individual for T. Higgins and James Cook. Dang. Which side do you prefer? Yeah, yours. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, do you really, do we need to answer that? To Gibson over Higgins. Henry's going with Watson. To Gibson over Higgins and Watson over Cook. Yeah. Probably. So, yeah. 23 I, first for free. Gibson's value got completely derailed by coach speak. Like, I can't believe people are still. Yep. Every year. Mm-hmm. Last year, all oh, he's going to be in the next CMC. Oh, everybody wants Gibson. What does Gibson do? He puts up another thousand yards, borderline R, you know, another borderline RB one season. Maybe he was RB thirteen, maybe he was twelve, somewhere right around there. Now he's like, oh, we got Brian Robinson, another player who I don't want to insult as the head coach, and I'm going to say he's very good, and I, I want to see him do things too. Oh, Gibson's worthless now. Now he's an eighth round startup pick. It, it's completely, it's actually crazy. These are the hype trains you got to buy and sell on, though. Mm-hmm. I have a hard time with Gibson. See, while you guys and I, this might be like a smash except super easy someone else out there thought this was a w for them that's why they accept people love higgins mm-hmm. saw a poll on twitter and it was like rank dk metcalf higgins aj brown waddle and someone else that sounds pretty close and lamb maybe and it was like everyone had dk metcalf dead last and i was like really over waddle would they just acquired hill <laughs> like dang give me give me some dk metcalf which i don't think the ranking's super crazy oh, it's actually waddell it's waddell it's Waddell. Mm-hmm. Waddell. I have no idea. These people need to listen to the rank draft trade podcast more often. Right. <laughs> right. Just saying shameful plug or shameless plug. <laughs> yep. You're a shameful, shameless plug. Shameful, shameless. That ranking for T. Higgins might not be super crazy. It's just, you know, if you know us, you know we're fading wide receiver in general. So, but when T. Higgins is getting picked, we're picking our third running back or our second quarterback typically in startup drafts right now. This is what is actionable about this content is that there's someone out there in your league right now that would take Gibson plus Christian Watson for T. Higgins. And I really have Gibson and T. Higgins pretty close yeah so there you go you got some actual ways to acquire 23 firsts to make trades happen and how to construct trades that might be accepted nice beat hard jersey in the background you know this is a basketball jersey behind you though beat hard played football look how hot nick looks in his iowa jersey no there's there's a beat behind you it's behind you to the left yeah you're right okay Okay, I was going to say, this is Marble, and this was a couple years ago. He played on the Magic. He went pro. Is that 
Chad Greenway behind you? Uh, mm-hmm. Yep, Chad Greenway. Oh, shit. A longtime player for the Minnesota Vikings. Yeah, Viking. Did I see a Dallas Clark one in the other picture? Yeah, Dallas Clark was up there for a while. Mm-hmm. Dallas Clark. I like that one. I love Dallas Clark. You got him back here. Bob Sanders, best five foot eight player of all time. Yeah, Bob Sanders, my favorite player of all time. He's right up there with George Kittle. I don't have a George Kittle jersey, so if you're feeling generous oh, and you want to send me one, I don't have one to hang on the walls. So. I'll, I'll, have to, I'll have to trade one in. Iowa, you are the George Kittle. No, George there you go. Kittle. I don't need his jersey. I am him. <laughs> Embodied in a 150-pound podcaster. A little George Kittle. <laughs> Devonta Smith minus 10 pounds. Devonta Smith with George Kittle's head. Devonta Smith is <laughs> Iowa holding a 10-pound dumbbell. Oh, we always yes. have oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Yep. Accurate. Alas. Get us out of here, Noble. All right. Well, that wraps up this edition of Rank Draft Trade. We gave you the talk, the talk, the birds and the bees of making trades. <laughs> we hope you learned from this. We hope you got lots of information to go into this season with confidence making trades. We quite frankly hope we made all of your fantasy dreams come true. With that being said, you can find me on Twitter at NobleG underscore FF and at Sleeper at NobleG711. I always get a little confused because you guys call me knob leg. You just love the gas station. 24-7. <laughs> 711 is not very often a gas station out here. Really? It's mostly just a convenience guys, store. I go there every day. It's my birthday, okay? It's my birthday. I don't just want free Slurpees. It's my birthday. Mm-hmm. I have a birthday. I think it's all about the Slurpees. Which yeah. I'm she coming turns up. 21 again. Seven yeah. awesome. Every year. I will be 21 again <laughs> on my birthday. Yes, I will be Henry's age. <laughs> No, it'll be 22. 22. 22 <laughs> and a half. Yeah, you'll be 21. <laughs> Henry, I'll be younger than you for wow. the first time ever. <laughs> it's like Joe Burrow and Sam Donald, finally. Noble's got to figure it out. Finally, well, I, can't it I will be younger than Henry, which is not happening in this lifetime. That ever. only works until your daughter turns 21. Yeah. You can't both be 21. Uh, yeah. Listen, I would just take the, what? That's your daughter? I thought you two were sisters. Okay, creepy, weird dude, but thank you. <laughs> that exact story happened with an old neighbor of mine. My mom and my grandma. Yeah, it's happened yep, it's with happened. me, too. I'm like, okay, you're just creepy and weird, but thanks. I know you're lying, but thanks. <laughs> All right, Henry, speaking of the superhero, Mr. Clark Kent, tell them where they can find you. Uh, you can find me at any phone booth changing clothes <laughs> or uh, on Twitter at ClairvoyanceFF and on the little robot app at Clairvoyance. Mr. Magic Mike, King of Keontae, where can they find you? Uh, underscore Papa Bearclaw on Twitter with a little at symbol at the beginning or just Papa Bearclaw on the sleeper app. And what is on your pillow? I keep looking at it. I can't stop. Is that a hot air balloon? It's a camel. It's a dog. I think it's a camel. It's either a camel or a llama. I think it's... It's an alpaca. Oh, no, it's those a are llama. Di- those are different. Those are different items. Yeah. Hold on. So What's the difference yeah. between a llama and an alpaca? That's in our next episode. Yeah, Focus. Next episode. Focus. <laughs> Focus. That, that's oh, an alpaca. That's, that's, that's an alpaca. Yeah, 100%. You can see, it's, got, it's the hair. It's, it's a llama. Nope. I don't 
don't know why no. I forgot this. It's, it's an from, alpaca. It's an alpaca. Yeah, it's the bougie yeah. llama. So I'm obsessed yeah. with llamas. For those of you who don't know this, which is everybody, I have a weird obsession. It started out as a joke many years ago because there was like, there was a shower curtain with a llama on it. And I was like, who the hell is buying a shower curtain with a llama? Like, what a bizarre thing. So I made a joke on Facebook and I was like, hey, for all of you looking for shower curtains with llamas on it, I found your shower curtain. Then all of a sudden I go into Target and there's like kids clothes with like llamas and alpacas. And I'm like, did I miss something? This is the most bizarre animal on planet earth to make popular. So then it started as a joke. And then I'm like, you know what? They're like the most unfortunate creatures. And I love them for that. So I became, I like to think that I started the llama alpaca obsession. And everybody that knows me knows I'm obsessed with llamas and alpacas. So I made them cool. If you see them out there, think of me. I see a llama it, the in the wild. Thing. I'll make sure to think of you first. Oh, you will gonna, always think of me. Let's get Nick on out of you. Will. Yeah, let's get him out of here. <laughs> my boo, my fantasy husband, my ride or die. Nick James, tell them where they can find you. Well, you might have forgotten that there's a fourth person on this podcast during that long alpaca llama story. I did want to share that Amon Ross St. Brown is probably the closest in age to Henry St. Clair, another saint, wow. just a different variety. Uh, do you know, just want to put that fact out there into the universe while y'all are talking about humps on things that look like horses <laughs> with weird shapes. Humps. That's a camel, which I did say that was a camel at first. I you forgot. know, llama llama is the llama 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 duck. <laughs> I'm at Iowa in the NFL on Twitter. You can find me there and you can find this podcast at Rank Draft Trade on Twitter and RankDraftTrade.com. You know, and I forgot to even introduce myself in the beginning of this podcast. I I am Gina Noble, your host of the Rank Draft Trade Podcast. Thank you, Henry, also known as the Llama Queen. The Llama Queen, <laughs> the Noble, Noble G, 7-Eleven, Quickie Mart, whatever. It all works. Anyway, check us out. Check our website out, and we hope we made all your fantasy dreams come true. Every last time. <laughs> Rank Draft Hey, this was about the birds and the bees. Yeah, the birds and the bees and everything in between. <laughs>